0: Good morning, thank you Jeremiah and the elders of Centennial and you Centennial A.R.P. for this opportunity to bring God's Word to you this morning. If you'll turn with me our passage is Psalm 27 and I will be reading and focusing primarily on verses 1 through 6. Let me remind you that this is God's Word meaning it is holy It is set apart. It is inerrant, meaning that it contains no errors. It is inspired, meaning that it is breathed out by God. And it is infallible, meaning that it will not fall. So let's read God's word. Of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter on the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent, and He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. May it be a blessing unto his people. Amen. As we continue thinking about this psalm, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning to Psalm 27, we pray that you would clear our hearts and our minds. Keep us away from the busy worries and distractions of this world to focus in on you this morning. Father, we pray that you would use your Holy Spirit through the speaker this morning. For you are the one that guides us through this to help us better understand you. And as we better understand you, that we would worship you all the more. Father, we pray that we would see you through this passage. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. swirling in disorientation. Often, many of life's challenges bring a sense of disorientation, a sense of losing our footing in life. And it can cause us to have moments of lament, moments of distress, and wanting to plea to someone or something. And we often wonder if there is anything that we can reorient to, anything that we can turn back, I often think this way, particularly in the times we live in now, to name a few things of we have COVID-19 pandemic, and then we also have that conflict with Russia and Ukraine. I feel that many of you may feel this way too in your own personal lives. Well, is there anything that we can reorient ourselves back to? Well, that is where Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6, answers our question. And it also answers our dire needs. At the beginning of the psalm, it's mentioned that it is written by David. And throughout this psalm, it shows that he is in this sense of disorientation, as many enemies are surrounding him. Yet he finds his reorientation, his turning back to something. And so we see in the workings of the covenant of grace in David's life, as he was once a lowly shepherd boy, and then he became a mighty king, he saw that God was the one that would give him direction and comfort in those times of trial and trouble. And not only would God give him that, but God would give him deliverance from those troubles causing him not to have any fear. And so for us, we should reorient ourselves. Because as Christians, we can have that secure confidence as we face many enemies in this life. We can find comfort and reliance in the One who overcomes all His enemies, that being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so David, in this disorientation, turns back to a reliance upon God. In your moments of disorientation, can you see ways in which you are reoriented, turning back to the Lord? If you do not have an answer, that is okay. Because our passage today presents to us three components of the Lord that can help us have that reliance upon him that he gives us and as you'll note verse 1 presents all three of these components but they are present throughout this psalm, and all of these components emphasize God's protection it's like a cord of three strands that cannot be broken so our first component is that the Lord is our light. See this in verse one. As we look at this verse, what is something that sticks out? What is something that is repeated three times? If you look at this psalm, look at this verse, you can see that the word my is repeated three times. And right here, David is saying something that is very real, very personal. That he's trying to get across and express. Something simple yet so profound. Profound in the sense that David in this disorientation turns back into a faith and assurance in the Lord that the Lord calls him His own and that David calls the Lord His so in looking at this, we have to recognize how David begins with saying how this assurance starts. And this assurance starts with first and foremost, who God is. So we see that root of assurance in verse 1, where it says, God is our light, our salvation, and the stronghold of our life. And so, looking directly at light, what is the light that David is speaking of? Well, We see that this light is a source of positivity. A source of things like joy, goodness, and hope. It is that answer to fear and the forces of darkness. Darkness being that source of negativity. Like evil, sin, death. And so David using God as his light affirms that even in those dark, terrible threats in his life that he will not fear because God is the only light that can dispel that fearful darkness. We can think of that beautiful Statement and phrase that Paul makes in Romans 8.31 If God is for us who can be against us? It's also important to note that this is the only place in the Old Testament where God is directly designated as light. There's many other places in the Old Testament where He is created light where He has given and shown light to others. And so we see this in the Old Testament, but it continues onward into the New Testament. The light is also directly designated to one particular figure in the New Testament. That figure being Jesus Christ. We can see this in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 9 where it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so God sent His Son to be that perfect light amidst the darkness of this world. A light that we can turn to, and the light that will, in the end, completely destroy all darkness. So, as we look at this, what causes David not to fear? What causes him not to be afraid? We can see he has that hope, that turning back to God as his light, as his salvation, and as his stronghold. The hope that David looked forward, looked forward to Jesus Christ. As that great example of light, of salvation, and stronghold. It's the same for us as we look back upon Jesus' life. And as we look forward to that second coming of Jesus Christ. Something that I often pass by when we go to the beach are lighthouses. And often I admire them, but I often forget their significance and their purpose. And their essential purpose is to help guide sailors to the shore, especially on dark and stormy nights. And on lighthouses, a 19th century evangelist DL Moody told this story of a passenger boat. On a dark, stormy night, a large passenger boat cautiously edged toward the Christian toward the Cleveland Harbor. The pilot knew that he could only find the harbor channel by keeping two lower shore lights of the boat in line with the main beacon of the lighthouse. Are you sure this is Cleveland? asked the captain. Quite sure, sir, replied the pilot. Where are the lower lights? he asked. Gone out, sir, was the reply. The pilot turned the wheel, but in the darkness he missed the channel. The boat crashed on the rocks. Many lives were lost. Moody ended this story by saying, Brethren, the Master will take care of the great lighthouse. Let us keep the lower lights burning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord is our steady light, our steady lighthouse. He is always there for His children in the darkest of nights and in the roughest of waters. And on the other hand, we are like those lower shore lights that can often go out and fail, especially when we turn from that lighthouse. So what are we to do about this? Instead of fearing... And being afraid, we should look to God as that great source of light. We should go about our daily lives consistently following Him. And as we follow Him, we pray that His light would shine through us to others. To spread the gospel to others. And so the first component, we saw that the Lord is our light. And the second component is that the Lord is our salvation. And we see this in verses 2 and 3. And first we have to ask, well, what is salvation? Salvation in its shortest terms means deliverance. And so for us, we point to that one great deliverance of all time. Of our deliverance from sin by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And so as we tie light and salvation together, Charles Charles Spurgeon once said that salvation finds us in the dark, but it does not leave us there. It gives light to those who sit in the valley of the shadow of death. And we see this through David's experience as he mentions in verses 2 and 3. In verse 2 we see, well, what happens to the evildoers? To the adversaries and foes? We see that they stumble and fall. You can see that this is in a present and futuristic sense. Because he says, when evildoers assail me, that the evildoers will come. But it is also present because they do stumble and fall. And David paints these evildoers as wild animals, those that would seek to eat, rip apart and tear up flesh. And they think that they can win. They have confidence in themselves. But then again, we see their result. That they are weak compared to God. That they stumble and fall. And great is their fall. And then as we look at verse 3, we ask, What faces David? And how does he respond? Where it says, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. We see enemies surrounding David, seeking to cause him harm, seeking to cause a war against him. And here he's talking about an actual war that is starting with fighting. You can term it as a battle. And commentator David Dixon said this about this verse that these trials that David is presenting are meant as testings of our faith. And so that's experienced here. As David showed what Spurgeon later coined, that confidence is the child of experience. Because of these experiences, these armies and these wars that are coming against David. He is building up that sense of confidence in the one who will deliver him from those wars. On Thursday, February 24th, President Vladimir Putin ordered Russian troops to invade Ukraine, starting a war and a conflict that is leaving many dead, injured, and fleeing the country. as an army encamps against them, as war arises against them, you can see that dire situation that they are in. But what is quite extraordinary to witness are the Ukrainian Christians. I don't know if you've seen any, but there's a number of videos out of Ukrainians whether praying with one another singing hymns with one another. And in fact, there's posts about them that they even worshipped God as families just days after Russia invaded. That is nothing but the power of God. That they can have that confidence, that fearlessness that can only be found in that one true Deliverer, the Lord God Almighty. And so when armies surround you, when wars rise against you, how do you respond? Or how should you respond? We should respond as ones with an unwavering faith like David that comes from the Lord and can only be in the Lord. We may be thinking here, what more could we need? The Lord is already our light and our salvation. It seems like there's so much packed in there already. But there's good news that we serve a glorious God. Who mercifully provides for us more than we could ever imagine. And so that leads us to our third component that the Lord is our stronghold. In verses 4 through 6. Well, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a spiritual refuge and security. It is that spiritual refuge from those pains of life where God shows that He is for His people. You can think of a castle. And then there's the citadel in the center, that stronghold in the center that is almost impenetrable. Yet God is completely impenetrable. Proverbs 18.10 puts it in this same way that the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous man runs into it and is safe and so we see that these three strands of the cord of life of salvation and of stronghold that they entangle together as this sense of God's safety security and protection and David realizing this protection prioritizes something. Well, what does he prioritize? Let us look at verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple See, see, he's prioritizing the Lord. An old proverb says that wishers and woulders are never good housekeepers. David doesn't say in this verse that I wish I asked the Lord or I I would seek. But he has that confidence. He's saying, I have asked, I will seek. So this thing that he's asking for and seeking for is to dwell in the house of the Lord. Does this part of this verse sound familiar to you from another psalm? There's another psalm a few pages back, Psalm 23. And in verse 6 it says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Both of these verses show this desire for something. This desire for having a constant communication with God. Wanting it sincerely. Putting it above all other earthly desires and interests. Do you have this desire in your heart? This desire of constant communion with God? James Montgomery Boyce said on this verse, focusing on the worship of the Lord, that there is something to be said about the sheer physical singing of the hymns and the psalms, the sitting in the pews, the actual looking to the pulpit and gazing upon the pulpit Bible as it is expounded, the tasting of the sacrament, And the very atmosphere of the place set apart for the worship of God that is spiritually beneficial for His people. I think we can all find that to be true. Often each week we get disoriented and turned around. But we come to Sunday, the Sabbath day, and find that reorientation, that renewal, We find that refuge, that stronghold. And as we do that, may we seek to not only see it on Sunday, but see it throughout the entire week. We can even see Jesus telling us in the Sermon on the Mount to ask and seek, that we're called to ask and seek. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we need to seek that constant communion of God with Him and His kingdom and His righteousness. And David goes further here and even says that he wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The beauty that David is expressing here is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling that you get in your chest. But he saw his beauty in so many things in the Lord. One of those things being in God's condescension, His stepping down to our level. And that expression of the refuge that He is for His people. So this beauty is standing in awe of the Lord and His righteousness and holiness. And on this condescension, the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 7, section 1 says that we see that we can never have any blessedness from God except by some voluntary condescension on God's part. God stooped down to our level. And we can see this throughout the Bible. We can see this as the climax in the book of Exodus. In Exodus 25.8, where it says, And they shall make for me a sanctuary, and I shall dwell in their midst is also exactly what God sent His Son to do. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled, among us. So we see this beauty in His condescension, but we also know that His beauty knows no bounds. It extends far beyond anything that we can think of. And so that is what David is wanting to gaze upon. And he's also wanting to inquire in his temple. He wants, he has that desire to learn, to ask questions, and to grow in God. And then David goes on in verse 5 to give us three more ways of the God as our stronghold. Verse 5 says. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And he will lift me high upon a rock. We see that human support failed David. And as it failed David, he turned to God as his stronghold, as his refuge. And he learned to trust God for days to come. And he felt assured of this protection from the Lord. And this confidence that he has, we see at the end of verse 5 that it is not barely hidden, but is extended quite beyond the reach of his foes as he's set upon a rock. And so we see that he hides his people in his shelter on the day of trouble. We see that He conceals them in His tent. That tent being would be like a devoted protection that a guest would receive from their host. And He lifts them high again so the foes could not even reach Him. And So this stronghold of the Lord, it is providing complete and total safety. And... In this safety, Dale Ralph Davis used an illustration to express the beauty of the Lord, where he says, I still find moving that antidote of Ian Murray, where he tells of mid-19th century John Murray in Scotland. A fellow clansman visited him one day and was asked to stay for the family's midday meal, of potatoes and salt. The guest expressed his sympathy with Mr. Murray. He was not criticizing when he noted that the potatoes are so poor. Yet Mr. Murray replied, there is not one of them on which I do not see the beauty of the blood. So much depends on what you can see. And John Murray saw this midday meal, these potatoes, as part of that bounty purchased by his Savior. Perhaps even in that poor fare of that midday meal, we would also see that beauty of the Lord. Well, how should we respond to this? How should we live? Let us look at verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Our heads will be lifted up above our enemies. Because the Lord is our stronghold. And in response to this, we ought to devote our lives to Him. We should have gratitude in everything that we do. As David does when he offers sacrifices with shouts of joy. We should sing and make melody to our stronghold who always protects us. And always gloriously verifies those promises that he promises with as our light, as our salvation, and as our stronghold. And so today we saw those three components of God as light, salvation, and stronghold. And John Stott summarizes it all really well when he says, The Lord is my light to guide me. My salvation to deliver me and the stronghold of my life in whom I take refuge. I'll ask the same question that I asked at the beginning. and I pray that you would ponder on it throughout this week. In your moments of disorientation, can you see ways in which you have become reoriented into a reliance upon the Lord who is your light your salvation, and your stronghold? Do you believe that He is those things? If you do not believe that He is those things, I encourage you to reach out. Reach out to me, Jeremiah, the elders of this church, so that you might come to know that great light, salvation, and stronghold. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, in our weakness and often occurring disorientation in life, give us the gracious ability to reorient, to turn ourselves back to You. Father, may we truly believe that You are our light, our salvation, and our stronghold. And in that, that we would meditate upon these wonderful truths throughout this week and the rest of our lives. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.